Hi, Wendy. How are you today? I'm good. How are you, Beth? I'm very good. Very good. good. Thank you for making some time for another tea and talk. Oh, you too. <laughs> and let's see. So we talked a little bit about self-care already. And I thought that maybe it would be helpful if I was, I just wanted to share a little definition that I have here for self-care and reflect on how you feel if you kind of feel in alignment with this. And then today we planned on digging into keeping it simple, mm -hmm. quick self-care strategies that people can use at home. Great. Yes. And I love that we're going to give some real concrete um, tips today. So I'm excited about our talk. Me too. And would love to hear your definition. Okay. So yeah. I wrote this down just so that I said it exactly the way I meant to. <laughs> So self-care is a conscious act that one takes in order to promote their own physical, mental, emotional health and well-being. Many people view self-care as a luxury rather than a priority, but self-care is vital for building resilience towards the stressors, stressors in life that you cannot eliminate. When you've taken steps to care for yourself, you'll be better equipped to navigate through the nuances and challenges of life. How do you feel about that? And that's lovely. That's, that is lovely. And I love the um, resilience piece in there that you talk about. And I also think just in terms of our happiness, it's okay to say we want to be happy. And how does that also cultivate just general well-being and happiness? Um, so yeah, I love, I love that. And I think it's really in alignment with what we've talked about so far, um, as we've gone through our couple of talks where we've done a little overview around, um, you know, <clears throat> the myths around uh, self-care and what it is and isn't. And I think that that's completely in alignment with that conversation um, and what we both shared there, as well as um, just sort of those learning your cues that it's not about cues for self-indulgence. It's about cues for your well-being, cues around needing, around re resilience, um, knowing what your false refuges might be and ways to kind of work with with that. So I think that's really um, in alignment with what we have talked about so far and leading us into, you know, we talked last time a little bit about it not being self-indulgent. It's not selfish um, mm. to take care of yourself. It is not a luxury. So I love that you had that right in your definition because I think that's a huge misconception. And we've, you know, touched on some ways to do it throughout our earlier talks. You know, there've been little tips, but um, in terms of really doing this, you highlighted some areas. So, and, and I might not remember them all, but you talked about physical, emotional. Um, can, you, can you tell me what were the other pieces to your- Physical, mental, emotional, mm -hmm. and I would say spiritual as well. Spiritual. And I would say social, mm. right? Yeah. Like the connecting, connectivity. Um, so we can even think of that maybe. and. And just so like people who are listening to this know, like you hadn't shared this with me before, but it's completely in alignment with, I kind of jotted down some categories. Like if we talk about quick and easy tips, what are some of the general areas kind of that they fall into? So I think it's um, really exciting that it sort of um, dovetails with, with the direction that I was also thinking around um, tips. And you've worked with me before and been in groups with me before, you know that though I love to talk about things in um, this broader sense, mm, give me some concrete tools now, right? So I love that we're gonna move a little bit um, into that. And for me, 
of course, the tips and the tools that first come to mind because of the work I do, um, which does not mean that any are more or less important um, than others. But for me, I kind of was thinking of this whole category of tips um, and tools around self-care that fall into the category of um, manage, could be kind of managing stress, but also um, just sort of mindfulness and calming strategies. So we know that our systems can be really reactive and how do we sort of calm our systems? So a few self-care tips, I just would share a couple and then I'd love to hear your thoughts. A couple self-care tips that I think of around calming strategies in particular, um, if we notice, and again, that's that knowing your cues that we're activated, that things are going on and we feel kind of reactive. Um, there are lots of ways that we can help support ourselves to sort of calm our system down a little bit. And um, many of those tips include breathing strategies. So I just thought I would share um, one of my favorites, simple, easy, that you can kind of do anywhere. So particularly if you're, um, if you're seated or standing, um, to get a sense of grounding, feeling your feet on the floor. So you kind of sense into that sense of grounding, connected to the earth, can even feel if you're sitting, um, the backs of your legs on a chair. So we have that sense of connected, grounded presence. And then just breathing in um, from the feet all the way to the head, like you're breathing in through your feet and up through the head, and then back down from the head down to the feet. And what I love about this practice, right? Feet up to the head, and then the head down to the feet, is it supports the cultivation of a sense of being grounded, but also lifted and open. So we're not kind of tight and contracted, which can happen when we're reactive. So if you're in the middle of something, having a conversation, you feel it's getting a little heated or feeling a little overwhelmed, it can be as simple as one breath. Um, and of course, that's kind of a, a strategy, gives your brain a little more to do because it's very specific, but even just paying attention um, to one breath, you know, just stopping and taking a conscious breath in and of itself is a great um, other practice for calming. But I thought people have heard that before and it's sort of um, something you might hear a lot about. So I thought I would share one that's a little bit different, the grounding of the feet and the seat, and then the coming up with the breath and back down. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts about other practices that um, are beneficial, not necessarily in that category, but any, what are some of your thoughts around quick tips? Sure, yeah, I just wanna say, first of all, I feel very blessed to be able to practice with you regularly. So I can attest to the calming outcome that I typically have when I do that particular practice myself, even just listening to you say it, I could kind of get into my body and, and feel the benefits of that. So I really encourage people to give it a try, even if it's something that sounds a little bit off, you haven't tried it before, just give it a try. It doesn't hurt. It's just one, one tool to have available. Um, and I especially like to do that, like at the end of the day, when I'm feeling kind of like anxious, I haven't wound down from the night yet. And at, before I get into bed, I think that that can be helpful so that by the time I go into bed, my body's kind of more in a 
restful, relaxed state. So that can be helpful, which leads right to my first tip, which is sleep. Set yourself up the night before. I mean, it's so much easier to be proactive and try to set it up as best as you can. It won't always be perfect. It's not something we can always do, but there are some things that I do in order to make good sleep habits a priority for myself. Um, the one thing I'll do is I try my best. I am not always perfect with this, but I try to not look at my phone or my computer after, you know, say maybe an hour before bed, even longer is better, but because I work on my computer, like most of us do, and I want to try to, you know, catch up with all the latest stuff. I know it's hard, but I really try to make an effort that, you know, say eight o'clock, eight 30, unless it's some, a family member calling or texting with something that, you know, I want to have a conversation about, I'll try to put aside my phone. Um, the next thing I try to do is consider how different foods and beverages impact your sleep. So for me, I enjoy sweets. I have a sweet tooth, but if I eat, say two brownies or a handful of cookies right before bed, I'm wired. So I'm going to save those and have them during the day when I know it won't impact my sleep. Just like coffee. I can't have coffee after say 11 o'clock in the morning. So I just don't because it almost every time will interrupt my sleep. Um, there are things that promote relaxation and help me to fall asleep. So chamomile tea, sleepy time tea, tart cherry juice. Um, and for me, even having an adequate dinner so some people say, don't eat right before bed. I need to have a balanced dinner. And if I'm still hungry, it's okay to have a snack. I don't want to go to bed with that annoying hunger sensation. I want to be able to go to bed feeling well-fed, not overstuffed, but eating foods that help me to feel content, satisfied, and that will help me to fall off to sleep. Um, I also like to, for me, I like certain scents. So I have like a lavender essential oil. I'll put a little bit, you know, around the pillow, or it might be sometimes some really calming music. Sometimes it's nature sounds, um, room temperature. I don't like my bedroom too hot. I like it a little cooler as we have these nice fall days. I like to crack the window and feel that cool breeze come in a little bit. And I try to keep it as dark and quiet as possible, which isn't always perfect, but those are my go-tos that I would recommend. I love that. And one of the categories that um, when I was thinking about this was physical, right? And so you hit on um, a bunch of sort of the, the areas that I was thinking about as well. And to just uh, attest to your knowledge and, and wealth of knowledge around, particularly when I listen to you talk about food, um, deeply appreciative of your really balanced uh, approach when it comes to how we relate um, to food in our lives. And so I would say to people, and I know for myself, um, if I have a snack like really close to bed digestively, particularly as I got get older, I wake up in the morning, I don't feel so great, um, which doesn't mean that having a little sweet or a snack is a bad thing. And so figuring out again, from a self-care perspective, um, you know, I do like my sweets as well. And so, you know, can I think ahead and plan now that I know that, okay, if I have it like right before I go to bed, might not really agree with me later, I might enjoy it. It might feel like self-care in that moment, but 
maybe while I'm lying there trying to fall asleep, not so much, particularly I happen to like chocolate too. So there's that wake up factor too. Um, so to think that through, that self-care could sometimes be a comfort food. Sometimes that's totally fine, you know, in my perspective. And yet um, with moderation and with thinking through sort of um, in the long haul, as opposed to these really rigid, and we talked about this before, like not having these rigid definitions. So um, what are things that you can cultivate to feel soothing? I also really enjoy having tea and I never used to drink tea, but tea now has become for me, I drink it slow, I smell the tea. It's become like a self-nurturing, um, self-care yeah. activity. It's not even just the food, it's the whole activity around it. So um, I love those kind of physical things. And the other one is, you know, of course, exercise, getting out, getting some physical um, exercise before we got on this call, when we were chit-chatting before, we talked a little bit about out in the garden, right? Getting some yard work done. And I know for me, um, that sense of accomplishment, sometimes when I see the leaves cleaned up and I can look around or um, have made progress, like that feels good and is actually, depending on my frame of mind, so much is a frame of mind, my frame of mind when I go and do work in the yard. My frame of mind is, um, to really enjoy the feeling and to be there, feel the sun, feel the wind um, and enjoy it. And then that sense of accomplishment of getting something done can really also be self-care. So it's so interesting that it's sometimes less what we're doing um, and more the kind of the frame of mind of going for a walk. Um, mm. Since the pandemic, we've been walking almost every day. has um, been really important for my, personally for my mental health. So again, frame of mind, um, but also that physical knowing, paying attention to your own body and what does and doesn't work and what's the conversation in your head about what you're doing also makes a difference. Yeah. You just hit so many great points all at once. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Exercise doesn't have to be a structured workout to be self-care. Exercise can be doing your yard work, cleaning your house. Sometimes if I had a really bad night's sleep, and I know that I'm just not 100%, I actually will be like, you know what? I could do some house cleaning today. I'm capable of that. And that's my exercise. We don't need kettlebells and weights today. <laughs> and that's self-care, knowing what's appropriate and when, and loosening up your expectations of what you need to do and letting your body kind of direct what's best on any given day or moment. Yeah. Another one that I had is back to the nutrition piece a little bit is becoming a, a dependable provider for your body, eating a variety of foods in adequate amounts to support your lifestyle and good health. And really trying to eliminate all the food rule voices that you have out there and tap into your body signals, your body's cues to learn what's best for you when. That's great. Yeah. And listening to getting, um, and that's a practice, I think for many of us, I know for myself, didn't really pay good attention when I was younger to my body and its cues. So that gets back to our conversation about cues, but I think, yeah, the, the nutrition, the healthy eating and listening. And for me, a huge one, water. I am really, um, again, that paying attention. I'm one of those people. And, and I know there are many who don't notice as much that they're thirsty and then suddenly get a headache. Um, you know, so I'll, 
So I've learned sort of to, to just get more um, conscious around drinking water, having it nearby, trying to drink it more often, and I pay better attention to my body. So when I get that little inkling of a bit of a headache, I'm like, oh, have I had water lately? You know what, do I need some water? Mm -hmm. So paying attention to our bodies um, is really huge and ties into, of course, again, that mindfulness piece. We calm our nervous system. You gotta be paying attention to know that. And like just doing a body scan, getting used to being in your body more, feeling your body. And again, like you said, for some people, something they might not be used to. And yet I'm just checking in. Okay, how, how, does, how do I feel here? This is what's actually happening right now. Checking in with ourselves um, is self-care. Like it's huge self-care. Just, okay, what's happening? What's happening physiologically? You know, is my heart racing? Is, do I have a little headache? Um, or emotionally, you know, tying back into that emotional piece, um, there is for me a piece of um, also, you know, with the mindfulness, there's the calming the nervous system, but then there's also the being with what is. Um, and I think part of the practice, if you're feeling really sad, it's okay, this is sad. There's sadness, okay. Mm. Like to be able to just be with a feeling and acknowledge it is actually self-care. And often we think self-care means running away from the feeling. Now, it doesn't mean we don't potentially cultivate something else. And that's a whole other list of practices that I have written down, um, another category. But it's really important to first be with um, what is. So this is really hard. And I'm going to go for a walk in nature. Mm. So we can kind of acknowledge, and that self-care, this is really hard, I'm going to make a cup of tea, or I'm going to call Beth, you know, like, what are the things that, um, that are beneficial? So I, I just really stress, and what we know about the brain, and many of the things we're talking about here, are actually, scientifically, um, and, and research-based, but what we know about the brain in terms of acknowledging feelings is that when we're in that reactive fight-flight-freeze mode, are part of our brain that helps us make good decisions, including self-care, um, goes offline. And so naming a feeling, they have seen in MRIs that just naming a feeling lights up that part of the brain, brings it back online. And that's what we wanna do, that's self-care. So we're not reactive. Um, so I think it's really important to say, again, self-care isn't necessarily you're having a problem, something is difficult. It isn't necessarily trying to avoid it, push it away and do something else. It can even be saying, oh, this is really hard. And then it doesn't mean you can't do something else. Mm, yeah, the, the ability to make some informed choices in that space. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, that pause, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I wrote one down that might seem so simple, but it's huge, especially, especially in this circumstances, what we're all in right now. Um, take time for simple pleasures and hobbies. So things like painting, drawing, baking, dancing, pets, you know, just being silly and playful, reading, knitting, talking to a friend, whatever it is that brings you a little moment of joy, as simple as it might be. Don't take it for granted when you have an opportunity. And if you're really having a hard time, it might be exactly what you need, even though you might not be feeling 
in the mood at the moment. You know, it might be the the antidote to helping shift your your mindset when you're dealing with something that's challenging challenging you. That makes me think of from that book, Awakening Joy by James Baraz, where he talked about make a joy list. And those are all things like for me, I know, I think I've said this already in this, um, in our tea and talks, dancing, dancing brings me such joy. Um, singing also brings me joy. I don't do it well, but I, it really brings me joy. So writing down actually his suggestions, write them down because sometimes when we really need that is when we're less apt to kind of be able to call up something because we're feeling so down, it's hard to think of what might bring us joy. So having a joy list and committing to doing, and again, I can put on one song, what is it like three and a half minutes maybe, and dance around the house for three and a half minutes, totally shifts um, my perspective and my mood. Mm. So I think having a joy list, whatever, and those were, you gave some great, like I loved the diversity of examples that you gave um, in that list. And that should pique people's um, sort of thinking around the range of things that it could be, it could be pet. You mentioned pets. It could just be patting your dog or cat. Yeah. It could be something as simple as that. And I think that escapes many people. So I loved it. I had that too. I had um, write a joy list Mm. and do one thing a day three minutes. Like it does not have to take a long time and it's a way to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I have one of my dogs here is really kind of goofy and wild Louie. So I will intentionally just kind of like stop and watch him sometimes. And it never fails. He makes me chuckle because he's so quirky and just, he's a goofball. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. And that's all. And for me, it's like my bird watching now. Mm, Um, You know, I can see them right out there and you know, watching them kind of frolicking with each other. And we actually have these ducks that um, migrate here and they pop under the water and they cut. And every time they arrive every year, my husband, your, your ducks are back and they make me so happy. They're mm-hmm. just adorable. And so it can be like two seconds of looking at those ducks makes me laugh, makes me smile. Um, so those are really great. I think anything we can come up with for little quick sort of hits of joy. <laughs> throughout the day um, are really helpful. And that for me kind of fell under a category I was um, thinking of that were like cultivation um, kinds of things. Mm -hmm. What are things we can do, even if things are difficult, we've acknowledged it. And it might also be helpful to then cultivate something else because we know because of the negativity bias that our mind's inclined to pay more attention to negative than positive. So Maybe we acknowledge this is really stressful or this feels overwhelming or whatever, if there's some difficulty um, and then utilize a cultivation practice. So the joy list for me was one of those, but another um, kind of cultivation practice that I think of a lot and that I really enjoy using um, is, I think it's called um, multiple terms, but well-wishing. There is something about like wishing other people well that just feels good. It's kind of like if you've ever gone to um, a drive-thru and you've paid for the person behind you, you know, like it, it gives you that little, um, little hit of positive energy in the system. And I know um, one of the practices, you know, there's a formal meditation practice that utilizes this. 
But for me, one of the practices that I love is um, sort of stealth well-wishing, just driving around and you see people and say, may you be happy, may you be happy in your head, right? May you be joyful. You're driving somebody, you know, in, in the lane next to you, may you be happy. The traffic, we call them traffic, right? May they be happy. Um, that ability, or may they be joyful even. Um, and what it does, it, it often kind of shifts our perspective from being sort of really focused on all the problems, which our mind often is where our mind goes, to kind of just sending out some positive energy. And what happens is we start to feel that as well. It's a heart opening um, practice, which feels good and can and is part of that sort of social connecting kind of practice um, that I think is so important. I think it works the other way as well. So learning to catch any negative self-talk and kind of flip that around and start speaking to yourself with more kindness will also bring you into a position where you're offering more kindness to everybody around you. It works. They, they feed off of each other, I think. Yes, most certainly. And the formal practice actually starts with yourself. Mm. So the formal practice, may I be, and then you wish out. Um, and the intention is to tap into those positive um, heart opening feeling I, I feel it as we speak about it it's a great oh, feeling <laughs> yeah and I know sometimes you know sometimes you're just grumpy well maybe you are sometimes of course I, I am <laughs> sometimes I'm just grumpy like I just for whatever reason I might not be able to pinpoint what's going on or whatever but I just kind of feel like grouchy yep. and for me it is in those moments where I can't really pinpoint I can't find the thoughts from in terms of myself that kind of getting out of my head is what's most um, self is really the best self-care and is most skillful. And that's when that like stealth well-wishing is like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, everybody who pops up on my Zoom screen. So I go, I used to, on pre-pandemic, go to a swimming uh, class. And at the end of class, we would all be around the pool and we'd be doing like stretching in the pool. And it, it was a big group. And I just look around, may you be happy, may you be happy. I left that pool and I know the physical experience of doing the, the exercises in the water was very good for me. So was the well-wishing that I did every time at the end. Like I felt just filled with happiness and joy and mm. connection. And I think particularly during the pandemic where we are, um, many of us are less physically connected with people, maintaining some capacity for social connection is, is huge. And this is a way in your head to do it. And of course, there are ways we can do it um, actually um, through Zoom and other things like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I have another one that I had written down that I think falls under your cultivation category is tap into a moment of pleasure using any of your five senses. So I'll give some examples of my own sense that your, your feel, feeling, touch, sense of touch. So clothing, comfy clothing, or like soft, fuzzy blankets, um, crisp fall breeze on your skin, the sunshine, snuggling with a pet, those all will bring me into a moment of pleasure, sense of hearing, so certain music, laughter, if you're around children or just out and you hear people having a good time. I have wind chimes on the front and back of my house. I love the sound of those wind chimes. Um, and then birds and nature, those things bring a moment of joy all the time for me. Um, then we have sense of smell. 
So, you know, I like candles and essential oils. I love smell of cooking, you know, food, different foods. I love the smell of coffee in the morning. And again, I love that smell of crisp fall air. Um, taste, obviously, many foods and beverages. I enjoyed a cup of hot chocolate the other day with some marshmallow in it. And we don't have that often. So my husband was like, ooh, I was in the mood for this. And we just both really savored a cup of hot chocolate. Um, and then sight, anything in nature always brings me joy. Home decor brings me joy. Architecture, landscaping, all of those beautiful things bring me joy. Seeing beauty in myself and others, that brings me joy. I've always been good at seeing the beauty in others. And when you can learn to see it in yourself as well, that that's a different kind of joy, more of a contentment. Um, and I think that was a good list of mine. So those five senses, I think, depending, you know, some of us are more drawn towards one than the other. I like them all, but they all have a different time where I feel like they're more helpful for me. But I think that's a great cultivation practice of pleasure. Well, yeah, I love the sense of, like, as you were saying it, I could feel the wind, I could feel the sun. Um, and so I think the the other piece there, and that also is a cultivation, but also a mindfulness practice. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing that it does is, particularly if you are actually experiencing it right then, um, the wind, if you're feeling it right in that moment, you're bringing yourself back from the moment, kind of getting out of the sort of discursive um, conversation that might be in your head. So being able to use, and there are actually practices that they talk about, you know, five senses and you sort of name one thing in each sense and really experience it, bring yourself into present moment. So I love that piece. And even if you aren't experiencing it in the moment, also the cultivation of just remembering, you know, closing your eyes and remembering if it's a cold winter day, remembering the feeling of the sun on your body and how, for those of us who really love the feeling of the sun on the body, feeling it and taking it in or remembering, you know, the ocean being by, even if you're not there, the brain kicks in as if you are, and you still have those feel good experience. So um, it, I think I might've mentioned this before, but I talk about it, an imagination vacation, kind of going in your mind and allowing yourself to kind of relive that experience and that really does bring in sort of some good feelings and it counteracts our negativity bias. Mm -hmm. And the research says the ways to do that, that really make it land and stick are to intensify the feeling. So imagine like, you know, if you picked one of those things that you, you know, talked about, thinking about that hot chocolate with that one sticking out for me, the hot chocolate with the marshmallows, you imagine it and you intensify that feeling of how it felt mm. to have that hot chocolate and um, the duration, stay with the feeling for longer. So the intensity and the duration are ways that we really can, because what we're trying to do is to cultivate some of those neural pathways so we have easier access to these feel-good uh, moments for self-care. That's how we make it like substantive. That's how we make these things long lasting um, is and make them more a default than uh, like, oh, I'm struggling. I need to do this um, to the degree we can do that. Similar to how you said you've practiced with me so you could feel it more quickly. You've cultivated those neuropathways. So people stay with those feelings. It's remembering a good um, moment 
taking it in, really feeling it. Um, and then the last one kind of ties into my cultivation practice. One of the ones that I was thinking of that I wrote down was um, novelty. Our brain is wired to like novelty. And what happens is we kind of get habituated. So I have a lake out in, at my house. And what everybody said is, oh, and I kept thinking, oh, so beautiful. How grateful am I to be here at this lake? Um, so gratitude practice. And what everyone kept saying is eventually it'll just be your backyard. You'll get habituated. And so um, we do, our minds do that. They kind of get used to things. And so to the degree you can find novelty um, and awe. So the practice of, and there's lots of research about awe being sort of this magic bullet around happiness that to the degree we can cultivate that novelty. So trying to notice things with a little more um, presence so that you can see what's different. Like the light in this sunset is a little different. Look at how it hits the lake. Noticing and trying to look for sort of um, the novelty to cultivate that sense of awe. And of course, um, gratitude, which maybe we can talk even more about as we get closer to Thanksgiving, because that's sort of a traditional thing, but gratitude also is another cultivation. So awe and gratitude, I think kind of um, often can go hand in hand. Mm. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, trying to just look quick at my little things I jotted down to see mm -hmm. if there's anything else I feel like we should mention before. How about a little bit of alone time when needed? That is an easy self-care tip that people often feel guilty about. And sometimes it's really just the best thing you can do for your self-care. Yeah. And the other one that I had, and I agree, I think alone time. And that's again, going back to listening. What do you need? What do I need right now? Do I need that alone time to kind of regroup or do I need social connection? Um, and if so, and I can't actually see people, can I get on a Zoom call? Can I, you know, find ways? And I think right now it's super important for people to kind of be paying attention. Some of us are like Zoomed out and want less of this and need to figure that out. So really, again, that self-listening. Um, the other one that I have down, I think the sort of we've hit on pretty much most of them, but one last one that um, you've kind of hit on, but I want to name it. And you talked about um, with the practice of well-wishing, how do we do that for ourselves and the being kind to yourself? And so I just want to name self-compassion. Yes, I think it's you. so important to be kind to ourselves and um, that ability to not be quite so hard on ourselves and to even, like we can say not be kind, but I say mm, even move it over that line to be kind to yourself. What would you say to a friend who was dealing with this? You know, think of all those things that we ruminate, you know, that one thing you said that you keep replaying in your head, beating yourself up over or that, you know, one mistake you might've made over something or that perceived even mistake, that flaw in physically that we think we have all these ways that we're hard on ourselves. And to think, what would you say to a friend who is being hard on themselves in that way? How would I, you know, respond? And how would, what would a friend say to me? And can we bring that kindness and that self-compassion to ourselves? I think self-compassion is a crucial, crucial practice um, for self-care. Me too, for sure. I think that, 
you know, like you have said earlier in the, in the talk today, we have that negativity bias in our brain. And some of us have directed it towards ourselves and, and kind of put it down at a deeper level because we just keep having these kind of mean and harsh conversations about everything that we think is not desirable, you know, within us. Um, and I think don't beat yourself up. If you've been doing that, just become aware of it. Just catch yourself, you know, catch them and just note that that's you're, you've been conditioned to do that and it can be unlearned. You can change that. Um, and I think that that's the first step is just recognizing that, okay, maybe that kind of have that tendency. Maybe that's a habit I'd like to change. It's no different than wanting to change any other habit. It just takes a little practice mm -hmm. and that, that, that mindset of curiosity will help allow you to have that self-compassion, I think. Yeah. And that gets back to that conversation earlier in our talk around um, being with what is. Oh yeah, it's just negative self-talk. We don't have to make that also a big deal um, and be, and then also beat ourselves up over that. It's, okay, it's just negative self-talk. That's sort of a habit and noticing it and naming it. The naming it really um, diminishes its, its hold and its power and it helps to start that deconditioning process and then help, hopefully can help shift us but many of us don't even realize we're doing it. So again, we're back to the learning your cues, you know, it kind of all, all weaves together. The more we can pay attention to what's going on in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies and how they interrelate, um, the better able we are to really identify what is and isn't self-care and how to do that um, for ourselves in a way that's really skillful and helpful and leads to well-being and happiness. I love that. I think that is the perfect wrap up for a pleasant conversation. It was great to see you again. Thank you for doing this again with me, Beth. I really, I enjoy our opportunities to chat together and it's always a refresher and a reminder for me about, oh yeah, like you'll say something like, oh yeah, I'm going to do that. Kind of let that one slide. So it's great to have these little reminders kind of um, to keep us moving forward. So thank you. Thank you. I get just as many benefits out of our talks and I hope that the listeners do as well, Wendy. Me too. Take care, Beth. Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Well-Nourished Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Brulard. Welcome back. We're here today again with my dear friend, Wendy O'Leary. Wendy is a local educator and author, and we're having another tea and talk session. Today, we're going to talk about keeping it simple, quick and easy self-care strategies. So grab yourself a tea and join us for a chat. 